What up, what up, what up? My name is Orlando Thompson. My guest today is Sandy McKay. This is episode six of The B-Side, brought to you by Some College Radio. My grandmother actually moved to the States for the first two years of my life and helped take care of me because my mom wanted to go back to work. And she doesn't know English still, so I only knew Korean Mm. until I went to daycare and my mom apparently said, if you have to go to the bathroom, say pee-pee, you're good, have a good day. And that was like, and I went to school. (laughs) and And I picked it up. From there. So. It means Sandy. The only word she knows is pee-pee. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> pee-pee. Yeah. Okay, okay we got it. We got it. Yeah. I have a 45 of... Um, I saw the little uh, disc right there, the little 45 mm-hmm. spinner disc thing. I have a, I found a 40... So my grandfather was a composer. Oh. And so that. that Nina Simone song that's on my on my playlist yeah. is one that he wrote. He wrote the song? Yeah. And You're- so I found a 45 of it on eBay or something. I was just looking for re- recordings of it, and um, I found one. So. Is the name on the, on the record? I think so. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> How did that even go down? Um, he was a musician mostly in the 30s. And so he was living in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. He was going to law school and he paid for law school by playing in bands. Okay. But he always really wanted to play music and he was writing all the time. I think that song, Sunday in Savannah, is his most probably the most famous one. Um, I don't know exactly the circumstances, but he wrote some other things. He wrote um, one song called Shoemaker's Holiday, which is most the most famous recording of it is by Jimmy Lunsford. Okay. Um, I think my dad even told me that he tried out for For Whom the Bell Tolls Uh and wrote a song, you know, for that that film. And I mean, it never got picked up, but it was. He was gone for it. He so. was in the door. Yeah. He's like, that's like some famous, cool-ass shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have any stories like yeah. that. And I never, I, I met him only as like an infant. Okay. He passed away right at like maybe six or eight months after I was born. Okay. But I always think that that's an interesting way to know him is through the songs that he wrote. But yeah. That's really the cool. One, yeah. That Sunday and Savannah song is very pretty. And right after... Martin Luther King Jr. passed away. Oh. They there was a memorial concert, and I think she performed that song. Then, so there's okay. a there's a live recording of that song. There's several different ones. Okay. Um, yeah, it's amazing what you can find on the internet. <laughs> Man, I mean, my grandfathers are just known for making babies all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're known yeah. for. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I guess everyone has their own calling. I don't know. You got to build your own fan yeah. base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tell us, because I haven't even, nobody knows who you are. Tell, okay. tell us who you are. Give us like a little blurb. Okay. We're on the elevator. 
I just I'm, pushed the fifth floor. Okay. I'm Sandy. Um, I have lived in Birmingham for most of my life and with the exception of going to Ohio for college. And right now I work a million different jobs. They're not very interesting. Um, but that's what I want to talk about, though. <laughs> okay. Um, What's your main job? My main job is childcare and a legal assistant. Okay. That's what takes up most of my time. And um, but I'm also a part owner and a donut company here, um, which when we first started two years ago took up most of my time, but now it does not. Okay. Um, so I've done a lot of different things and just sort of piece things together. But uh, it's all been here in Birmingham. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the donut thing. How did that come about? Um, my friend, Phil, is a big dreamer. And he <laughs> really loves um, sweets and donuts. And he ha- came up with the idea. He just had always had a fixation on this one particular style of donut, an old-fashioned okay. style cake donut, which is a fried cake batter-based donut. It's delicious. He and his wife came up with a recipe. Mm. So he said, let's make a business out of it. Sandy, do you want to help me run it? And I said, yes. So that's really how it came about. And well, what does um, that mean? You do more than just run it. I mean, or help run it. Well, now I don't. I don't do very much with it okay. anymore. But I. So in the be- in the beginning, I hired staff and I put the kitchen together. So I had to learn how to make the donuts, how to fry the donuts, mm. figuring out what flavors we were going to do in the very beginning. And just so operations, especially with focus on the product. Wow. Did um, you go to some kind of culinary arts something? No. Phil had known that I wanted to. So I have an, a strong interest in food. Okay. And Phil had known that I wanted to do something in food and thought this would be a good, you know, suggested it as, hey, why don't you try this? None of us really had any experience with the restaurant business when we started it. Um, except for Phil's wife who had worked in restaurants as a pastry chef, but, but she hadn't done that for a while when we started the donut company. And then, I I don't know, I guess with Phil's enthusiasm and and we thought, why the hell not? Let's do Mm. this. And we just, um, hit the ground running. (laughs) What's the name of the donut company? We have donuts. donuts. How'd you come up with that? That was our website name. And then, and was you it know, just like a placeholder, like we're under construction, we have donuts, yeah. we don't have a name yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we thought, okay, we're just going to stick with it because people knew us as we have donuts. Yeah. And we're like, all right, here it is. Here we are. We have them. Put the t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other jobs do you have? So I... I am a legal assistant at a firm here in town, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also a nanny uh, for that attorney. For the same person? Uh-huh. That's not conflict of interest there? I mean, you're a legal person, so I guess you would know. I guess but- not. <laughs> um, I never thought about that that way. Uh, no, but that's what that's my sort of eight to five, Monday yeah. through Friday gig. Um <laughs> Which is pretty funny. I never really thought that I would be a nanny, but, you know, here I am. Uh, What's that like, being a nanny? How old is the kid? He is now 15 months. Oh, I thought you were going to say 15. I was like, that kid doesn't need a nanny. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
he just likes the fact that there's a grown woman coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty wild. Um, I've been helping them out since he was a month old. Okay. Um, so, like, right out the shoot, I was there, and it's been wild, but really rewarding and fun. I just had never done it before, or I really interacted with babies at yeah. all. Um, Do you speak any other languages that you try to teach the kid? I speak Korean, and I haven't really um, exposed him to that very much. I know, but <laughs> you know, what I, nannies are for. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do play a lot of music all the time. Okay, and I think that that's really fun. So he pretty much listens to whatever I'm listening to. Yeah. Most recently. You know, the the Beatles White album is really interesting. I've been playing that for him a yeah. lot because they have some songs on there that are kind of campy. Yeah. And they could be sort of child-friendly. I mean, some of them are <laughs> totally weird, but, yeah. you know, there's like Rocky Raccoon is kind of a fun little <laughs> song. And he recognizes immediately he'll start dancing right away. Like he dances to music as soon as it comes on. He loves and which I think is really funny and cute. Cool. So it's been fun, though. To see how he's developed into this tiny monster person, yeah. and he's so cute, but um, make you want to have or not have, or sort of on the fence, like. Eh. Well, this is good exposure for me to be like. <laughs> so this is what it's going to be like if you have one of your own. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to, but. Um, whew. Uh, I'm always on the fence. Like I'm <laughs> always teetering on the. Yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah. Side. <laughs> it is really nice to come home and say, oh, and now I can do whatever I want to. This is great. Yeah, it's clean in here. I mean, yeah, it's clean. <laughs> I don't have to worry about him getting into anything yeah. or hurting him. I mean, so really what I do now, especially because he's walking and he's so mobile, yeah. um, it's just sort of like um, preventing death all the time. <laughs> and that's sort of how I feel oh, about nannying, but... God, kids. So, today is Sunday. Uh-huh. We live in the South. Yeah. You're not at church. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? So, I grew up in a suburb of Birmingham, and uh, also to give you a little bit of background, my mother is Korean, okay. and my father's not. He's Caucasian, but we I grew up going to Korean church every Sunday. Your dad would go too? He went often. Okay. Um... And I think after a while, he didn't go, probably because of our, at some point, my family started uh, having retail businesses, and so they were open on Sunday, so then my dad wouldn't go. But for the most, I mean, I went, I went, I mean, every Sunday that my mom was going to be there, I was going to go. And it was so much more, I think, to connect with the other Koreans in Birmingham. There weren't that many at the time. Um, I hated it. I mean, I... (laughs) What did you hate most about church? The Koreans. Oh. I hate <laughs> I I mean, it was just such a, I felt like it was such a place to be scrutinized. You mm. know, I mean, it's such a close, tight-knit community, which was, which was good to have, especially for my mom. But for me also being only half Korean, even though I knew Korean, I never felt quite Korean enough. And then it was like, well, are you doing better in school than so-and-so over there? Because I heard that he got this on his ACT. And it's just all the all the stereotypes you think about uh, Korean academic-focused parents. Yeah. That was my life. And it was not pleasant. So I didn't really like care for Korean church. <laughs> 
I mean, what happened to Jesus? Isn't right. Jesus there? Yeah, Jesus was a a, a, a running theme, but <laughs> not. <laughs> I mean, I don't ever really remember any compelling lessons about Jesus. I will say, okay, so the funniest thing about Korean church. Um, Do they have a Korean Jesus? No. Okay. But for Christmas, they always had someone dress up as Santa Claus and hand out presents for the kids. And I remember there were so there were a couple of white dads that were, you know, in the church. (laughs) I don't think my dad ever put on the Santa suit, but there were a couple that did. There must have been one Christmas where there were no white dads available (laughs) to play Santa. (laughs) So uh, I remember being a kid and being like, you know, oh, that is so not Santa Claus. That is, you know, and looking at this, like, probably, I don't know, a Korean dad in the Santa suit. And I was probably thinking, like, you know, whoever it was, Mr. Kim. I'm like, that's not Santa. That's Mr. Kim. What? This Santa thing is bullshit. Like, this is not. <laughs> yeah. So now you don't go to church anymore. I don't. No. I don't go to church. I, yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, I don't really jive with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't really consider myself a Christian, even though I, you know, grew up in the church. There were certainly a lot of good lessons to take out of the Bible. Yeah. And then some really crazy ones that don't make sense to me at all. But, um, so really lately what I've been doing, as in the last couple of years, I've been reading some books on spirituality, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Mostly Eastern philosophy. And that's parts of those make sense to me. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of yoga, which I consider to be a physical and a spiritual activity. Yeah. It's certainly helped me become a much more sane and balanced person. I, I not to say that I think I'm a sane person, <laughs> but it has I'm getting well, how closer. Are you insane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, isn't everyone insane? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little off. Yeah, (laughs) humans are pretty weird. So, (laughs) kind of feel like the chemistry just gets off every generation. Yeah. You know, I mean, like at first it was perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It was perfect. You're like, oh, yes, we got it. This is the perfect human. Mm -hmm. And then as we go down the line, it's like, like, oh, you're just, yeah, yeah. we're deluding ourselves into oblivion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, something like that for sure. (laughs) I was thinking, like, when was the last time I, I went to church? Maybe it was someone's wedding. Probably like a mass yeah. of some kind, but um, was it so? It was like a um, Catholic church you went to. I went to a Presbyterian church. Okay. Um, I was just talking about that wedding, right? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know the difference between all the types. The of denominations, yeah. yeah. Like, what were your services like after after the uh, you know the grades and the SATs yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff? Well, the adults would go to a Korean service, and it was all it was conducted in Korean. Okay. I felt like the structure was typical of any sort of Protestant, like, church where, you know, there, you go through a, set, a couple of rituals where you mm-hmm. recite certain things and then you sing s- songs and those songs may change throughout the weeks. And yeah. then and then there's one sermon, one message that they're trying to get across and there's a few more songs and then you would split up and go to smaller groups, typically based on age if you were a kid. And, and then they would, you know, get in another lesson. Mm. Um, but the biggest thing that I remember about Korean church was the food. So every oh. <laughs> after church, you would always eat lunch. And it was this big, like, 
really wonderful Korean buffet style yeah. lunch. Um, do they do that in Korea as well? Have you ever been to a church in Korea? Yes, I have. And they do usually have lunch after church too. Nice. Um, so everyone was fed after Sunday. That's cool. Service, yeah. I don't think we had that experience. Church is so weird. Like, yeah. It's like, like as you were explaining that to me, I was like, it's so weird. Like we go to this place, uh huh. you know, we do a couple rituals and they, yeah. they talk to us about whatever the hell they want to talk about. Yes. Like there's no, I can't like flip through it like Netflix and be like, okay. Yeah. I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> I think I what would. do I want to focus on today? Morality yeah. is sort of what I'm hoping that they're going to talk about. No, they just talk about whatever. No, no, it's, it's true. It's kind of feed it to you. And then, then yeah. what do you do with that information? Like, I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, I guess the idea is to apply it to our lives. But if, if the message isn't approachable, then yeah. <laughs> I guess why did you go to church that day? <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, there's obviously going to be people that they're not talking to you right then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, you got this room full of people, and you got this one message, uh -huh. and it doesn't apply to me right now. Yeah. It's like class, like going to school. Yeah. But there's no degree at the end of it. That's and, I, I mean, I guess, like, you can say with spirituality and religion, some people really like someone else guiding them yeah. instead of having it be self-directed. I think that now I prefer having more of a self-directed approach where I read several self-help books from a Buddhist perspective. Yeah. And I really <laughs> like those. I think that it's been way more practical for me to apply those lessons mm -hmm. to my life. Um, like letting go of ego. I don't think I ever heard anyone in church say, watch that ego. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, in that way, the way that the Buddhists talk about it, yeah. of letting go of your ego. And, um, but I, I was like, Oh my God, this is a thing. This yeah. is a principle that a lot of people follow. And I have never, no one's ever said it to me in this way. And right. I, and this was only in the last year or two that I started reading certain certain things and found it way more compelling than any of the Christian teachings that I had interacted with. But I will like my mom, she's very devout mm. and she converted to Christianity in her twenties. From what? I guess sort of this blanket, like Buddhist, Confucius okay. belief system that yeah. most Koreans are um of her generation were probably I'm not exactly sure, yeah. but I wonder what the draw is. Like, I, n I never understood why you would leave one religion mm -hmm. to come to this other religion. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, I Especially think Christianity. It's like yeah, it's just wrapped in like issues. It is, and I guess if I think about it in a historical context, mm -hmm. when she was a kid, Korea, South Korea was the poorest country in the in the whole world. I right. mean, it was incredibly poor, totally devastated from the war. It took a long time to rec recover. And I know that there were a lot of Western influences that went into Korea and to spread the word. And she, um, I, I mean, I guess like she's never really articulated this to me. This is all just sort of bits and pieces that I've gathered over the yeah. years. But I think what sort of happened is that she had interacted with Christianity and on some level in her twenties. She said she had a few experiences where she felt like a, some kind of spiritual experience where she really felt like she needed to convert and really commit. And she has. Wow. Um, I mean, I still have people in my family that are Buddhist. So I guess if, if you were religious, you were Buddhist in right. Korea. 
Um, and there are Confucian, Confucian ideals sort of embedded in those. Like, the, And what's interesting is that a lot of those things still exist. So there are some traditions that are Buddhist in nature, but that have become cultural mm. for Korea. Right. And so even though so many Koreans are Christian, they still do these interesting like Buddhist things. So like what? For right. so for yeah. example, on certain holidays there are some there's like a harvest holiday in the fall called Chuseok and then there's one other one. Like Lunar New Year is a big okay. one. Mm-hmm. And on those holidays, it is common to go to if you have a I guess a grave site for your family to go and visit. Mm-hmm. And as a sort of paying your respects. And I remember going as a kid and leaving like a plate of fruit and pouring out a glass of wine, rice wine or something, and leaving it there and being like, my grandfather had passed away then. And so I remember leaving that for him. And then we would hang out there for a few minutes. And then my aunt like tossed out the wine and we like pack up the fruit and go. (laughs) And so it was like this symbolic sort of like, here's the, here, this is an offering for you. Yeah because we have to maintain this respect and so part of that is buddhist part of that is the other and but i mean we were still going to church and yeah i wonder how that that works because the one thing that really bothered me about christianity was the fact that he was a jealous god oh mm -hmm. it was like why it's almost like trump Right yeah, now. you know what I mean. It's like, dude, <laughs> yeah, you're running the free nation. Uh-huh. You're like, you're the most powerful man in the world right now. Right, but you're you're acting like a child. I just can't have my God acting like a child because that means that on a whim, yeah, you just destroy everything. And it's like that's really kind of scary. Right. If you're supposed to be a leader, yeah, shouldn't you be taking the high road always, right. all the time? Yeah. Like, nothing should phase you because nothing can hurt you. Nothing can, right. you know. Yeah, it's very confusing in the Old Testament, the way he deals with, the way that the story is put together and how he deals with the first humans. And um, he gets pretty upset with them. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, you can just wipe their minds. Yeah. You're like, oh, you just did that? Well, I'm just going to men in black your ass. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Start again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a strange... That and the fact that dinosaur bones exist. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, the creationist um, perspective, I don't uh, <laughs> I don't understand. That's And that's the nicest way I can put it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move then. Okay. Let's talk about how your parents met. Okay. Where did they meet? They met in Korea. Okay. My father was in the garment business for a long time. Okay. And he was based in New York. And when China started opening up doors to manufacturing and Western trade, he was part of the first kind of fleet of companies and industry that went over there to set up shop. Eventually, um, he ended up in Seoul for one of the companies he worked for. And my mother was also working for a British company mm-hmm. that was also trying to capitalize on manufacturing in Korea. Did she speak English? Yeah. Okay. And so that's how they met. And well, exactly uh, how did they meet? Like, oh, what was oh yeah. on a blind date. Oh. <laughs> which I didn't realize until very recently. I had no idea. My da- I had dinner with my dad a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, rem- I remember asking him, and he's like, oh, yeah, we were just set up on a blind date. It's like, <laughs> I guess that was like Tinder. 
I don't know. <laughs> well, now Tinder, you have a preview. You're a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a blind Tinder baby. Yeah. So they lived in Korea and they got married there, and then they moved back to New York. Okay. And then I was born. So you were born in New York. I was born in in one of the New Jersey suburbs. Okay. So in Bergen <laughs> County, which is about like 30, 40 minutes away. We lived there for the first five or six years of my life, and then we moved down here. Okay. But yeah, that's how they met, through the garment stuff. And I'm wondering if they had any moments of like really dating. Like, I mean, dating, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He went to Korea and then found this woman, and I don't think at that time, like, dating probably wasn't a thing thing. Like... Yeah, I'm sure I don't, her parents were like, dude, you're not going to marry this song? You're not yeah. going to be <laughs> tramping around town. <laughs> but the way that they talk about it, I think that they, because my dad was like, oh, yeah, your mom had like a lot of boyfriends. And I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> so I guess that they did date. Oh, my God. It's a good thing my mom doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> your mom's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um they were just friends yeah they, <laughs> it wasn't it. like that yeah she would call you say it yeah they were just, they were just friends. friends um <laughs> so they were married for a few years without me yeah um what did yeah. they do when they got to the states my dad continued to work in the garment business for a while and the company that he had worked for um folded I'm not exactly sure what happened. It's kind of funny to say. The garment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was unintentional, but you are all welcome for that pun. Um, So then he got a job here. He did sourcing. So a lot of what that meant in the 80s was that he would go to factories and make sure the designs matched up to what the company wanted. And so it was sort of this, like, interesting quality control, developing relationships with people and... Now a lot of those positions are gone because of the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so so he nobody guessed on the internet. Yeah, like. no one, no everyone <laughs> underestimated the internet, man. They're seriously, yeah. Like nobody's gonna <laughs> nobody's gonna just put their credit card in yeah. to the internet, right? And, you know that's just bizarre. That's yeah, nobody's gonna do that, <laughs> right? So then, my parents. I'm not sure how they decided this, but I think it was probably through the Korean church because a lot of Koreans were self-employed and, right. and especially that generation, you know, they, not as many were coming over to do like higher ed type of research stuff that, which right. is a little bit more popular now, or maybe even, you know, like Hyundai and Kia hadn't set up so many car plants and, you know, mm. oh yeah, they, you know, so it was just different. So there were, it was mostly like. Convenience stores, gas stations, beauty supply, whatever. I wonder how it is that that is the market that they capitalized on. Like, those sorts of things that, you know, um, stereotypically, yeah. you know, we would say, oh, yeah, well, of course, they yeah. had a freaking gas had, station. Yeah, or a dry cleaner or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess that was just what was available. I'm not exactly sure. But. Um, so what do they do? So first, they there's this place called the Bessemer Flea Market. Have you okay. ever been there? I've not been. No, it is. Um, it's just a big outdoor indoor flea market um, in Bessemer, which is about thirty minutes away. When is it open? On the week, I think it's open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Um, and so they got a booth at the Bessemer Flea Market, and they started selling costume jewelry, sunglasses. 
and handbags. Okay. And that was how we made life work for several years. And they did really well. Um, so elementary, so grade school was the flea market. Like I spent all my weekends there. We would pull up the, we had, we had a Jeep Cherokee then I remember, and we would lift up the trunk and I would just sit in the back and like read. And sometimes I would work. Like once my mom like trusted me enough to handle transactions, I would work. Um, and I would just run around the flea market all weekend. Then we got the Woodlawn store and then I would, I would spend my weekends in Woodlawn and, um, help them there, whatever they needed. I would ring people up and um so i was always in some kind of store setting (laughs) working (laughs) as a kid what was that like i mean did you um enjoy it or it was sort of like a i think i I mean i i'm i am i figured out how to amuse myself you know especially the flea market was way more interesting because i could go they had a lot of different vendors then and i would it was it was the first place where i ever had pork rinds Oh. I'll just say that. Like, they had a guy that sold boiled peanuts and pork rinds, and so that was the first time I ever had it. Is that combination good? I've never had the combination pork rinds and peanuts. Um, I don't think I would eat them. I mean, you know, they're both salty things. <laughs> and the pork rind is just, like, this weird, crunchy, I don't know. I guess the, the vegetable equivalent could be a rice cake. But it's even crunchier than that and, yeah. and, and more airy Yeah. Um, to me. I don't know. But <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would just I would amuse myself plenty okay. by just bothering other vendors and, you know, walking around. They should have they should have dressed you up in like costume jewelry <laughs> so that you could yeah. walk around almost like a billboard. Like yeah. A billboard. Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. They um that's funny yeah but then eventually they they just put me to work so i was just slinging sunglasses for uh they were five dollars they were (laughs) i mean i remember it so vividly i just spent so much time there how did you tell people that those are the ones for you you know i don't know if i ever guided gave anyone fashion advice okay but my my mom had a real really good knack of picking the things that are the clientele would like mm. she was just really she knew how to sell stuff and she was she she did great and he, also with um even in the beauty supply store yeah. which was it was all the primary focus was the black customer right and so it's 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 like interesting to think about how my mom was like would make compelling sales for like <laughs> hair yeah. and and so but people trusted her you know like she developed relationships and they were like oh yeah okay this yeah. she's you know she's not gonna try and sell me something that is a bad product or right. it's not gonna work you know because then, then you lose back. the customer yeah, yeah. so that was the craziest thing that ever happened in that store one time a gentleman came in the store and my mom saw him put something in his pocket like Mm -hmm. a comb or whatever and she approached him and she said hey no big deal but i need you to give me that comb and he lost it on her and stormed out of the store with the comb i don't i can't exactly i don't remember (laughs) but then a few hours later our, all four of our tires were slashed. So we parked our car in front of the store. And so that happened. For the most part, it was really tame. Yeah. Like, it really was just, like, kind of a mom-and-pop kind of store that, in the end, 
could not compete with the recession or Walmart. So it was, you know, my parents shut it down 2009 yeah. or so. Yeah, so right after the, wow. the 08 little burst. But What do they do now? My mom lives in Korea, and she takes care of my grandmother. Um, Sounds like my dad. My dad moved back to Panama, and he's really. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, (laughs) yeah. So she's doing that, and my dad lives here, and he works at a restaurant. um, But he's basically retired, and he works to stay active and. um, Does shits and giggles. Yeah. (laughs) What does he do in that restaurant? He does prep work in the kitchen for the most part. Um, he has three cats and they're all very happy together. (laughs) (laughs) No, he has a great, I mean, he has a huge social network here. Like he's, he's, he's really busy and he knows a lot of people and, um, you know, we've lived here a long time. So where your dad was originally from New York, right? He grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. But where's his family from? From, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay. So how often do you go back to Korea? Or go to Korea? I was just there in April. Since my mom's been living there for about four years, I try yeah. to go. I would love to go every year or every, but it's turned into every other year, yeah. which is still great. Um, I like to go and spend a few weeks with her and my family. Um, I've always felt pretty close with them, even though they yeah. live very far away. Had, have you always <clears throat> known them? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I took my first trip to Korea when I was... 15 months, my family made a really big point to make sure that I knew I was Korean. Like, I remember getting quizzed by my uncle as a kid and him saying, so Sandy, what's better, being Korean or being American? And I knew what I was supposed to say. So I'd be like, being Korean. And so... (laughs) Have you ever gone to a K-pop show? No. What? I haven't. Even a knockoff <laughs> K-pop show? I went to a knockoff one one time. I don't think so. I mean, I when I was a kid and I would go to spend my summers in Korea, yeah. I would listen to K-pop. But I don't think any of the band. I only know one band. I mean, they're they're ancient history now. But yeah. they, I mean, I don't. They become ancient history when they reach eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that Psy guy, he is yeah. still. I mean, he's been performing for at least twenty years. Yeah. Um, but he studied in the States. So I think he has sort of an advantage over them. Yeah. Where, you know, yeah. You know, if you're, bra- if you're brought up there, uh-huh. you know, your life expectancy yeah. in that <laughs> is like, it's short. short. Enjoy yeah. it. As soon as you get stubble, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's funny. No. What is a K-pop show like? Ooh, man. <laughs> I mean, and we just went to, I believe it was a knockoff one. Like I think okay. it was like lip syncing or something because, but it was awesome. These dudes, and I think they had females too, but the, they were just like perfect people. Yeah. I mean, ribs, you know what I mean? It was like watching In Sync, but like a more like uh, sculpted In Sync. Oh. You know, with like dancing and everything's just like hitting the point. You know what I mean? Like you're just hitting, it's like boom, boom, boom. And the music is going, you're like, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Where I was, that a was real this show. in Korea? This when you in, were there? I think this was in Seoul. Okay, okay. Um, it was insane. The light show. I mean, they yeah. had lights and everything. I believe great. it. It was awesome. They are um, Koreans. I guess this comes with prosperity, but they're, they're, I find Korea to increase in 
being superficial the more I go. Yeah. So and making things increasingly more flashy and like yeah. that's what's desirable, you know, yeah. desirable. Whereas it's, it's interesting to watch that go down over the last few years. How much of that do you... Because that is sort of becoming like the culture there, like yeah. cutesy and, you know, like we, we really enjoyed uh, picture taking uh-huh. because they would do like this V thing with their, you know, with their yeah, video, like yeah. the peace sign. But like, I, I find that it may just have like a slimming effect on the face. Oh, and that's why they do it? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. You know, we just noticed everybody was doing it and it was like really close to the face and we we're like... What are they really? Yeah. Doing? You know what I mean? so, um, <laughs> but how much of that have you like taken on? Do you find like, you know, really this last time that I went to Korea, I had a moment where I did not feel Korean at all. And Ooh. I usually do feel that way. I've always felt like when I would go to Korea, I would feel very comfortable because even though I'm only half Korean, I look mostly Korean yeah. and I could blend in. But now I don't blend in at all. And I think, and I felt like I stood out a lot more just in terms of, you know, Korean women, there's a lot of plastic surgery that goes down. And I really felt like everyone had the same face shape and everything. And then the same makeup and outfit, you know, so there's sort of this uniform. Yeah. There's this book that just came out a few months ago, right before I took my Korea trip called Eating Korea. Okay. Uh, it's by a travel writer and he spent time in Korea in the 90s teaching English and then fell in love with the food and, and then left and then went back to sort of reflect and see if he could find any of his old spots. And so part of it's about food. Mm. A lot of the book is about Korean culture. But he has this one line that said, a Korean woman not wearing makeup is akin to like to walking naked down the street. (laughs) And it's completely true. I mean, I felt very out of place. I don't wear very much makeup (laughs) and I felt very out of place there. And I mean, you know, I was not part of the crowd. But are Korean men pushed on you? No, no, never do you even actually. Date Korean men? I have not like ever. Never? Yeah. And my mom I don't think would because she didn't marry a Korean. Yeah. I don't even know if she would be excited for me if I decided, <laughs> Hey mom, I met this Korean guy. She would just be like, Really? <laughs> you did? <laughs> you moved the far away. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, and I just have not known very many Korean people growing up because there just weren't that many here. I mean, I knew yeah. the ones that I grew up with. I, many of them are not here anymore. Then I went to a, a small school in Ohio for college of which there were maybe, I could count the number of Koreans on my hand, mm. including myself. And then I came back and there still aren't that many Koreans. Yeah. So no, I just haven't, ha- I just haven't ha- met very many. You know, my parents actually have never really pressured me about marriage at all. Really? Yeah. They've been very hands-off, um, which is good because I don't think that I would listen to them anyway But <laughs> if they had a different opinion. Yeah. But um, my, my, fa- my father's been married a couple times, and so he's like, whatever. Just, <laughs> you know, like... It's like it obviously... Doesn't always. Yeah, work. So exactly. I will allow you to take your time. <laughs> yeah, um, but for boys, it's a little different. Like boys have an interesting relationship with their father. Where, well, I guess it's it's across the board for both sexes. But for 
sons especially, like, you're never freed from, culturally freed from making, like, you can only make your own decisions once you get married is the idea. Gotcha. Or else you, and I, I still think in some families, like, my my family, at least, or my, my mom and her siblings, it was a bit more conservative. And so as long as my grandfather was living, like, all decisions were sort of run by him. Oh, wow. Um, and they needed to be approved as long as he was alive. I he's, don't, it's not quite as intense okay. um, right now. <laughs> who's taking that role? Now um, that gone? Probably all the women now. Okay. I think. <laughs> probably by my mom and her sister. Um, yeah, I would say that they have the most, they, they create the most direction okay. of any sort of like major family related decisions. Like what kind of stuff would they ask him? Like what kind of stuff would he dawn on you know like would he be the dawn about so okay i have an uncle who for his first his first marriage when it was really just falling apart and it was clear that they needed to not be together anymore Mm -hmm. he asked my grandfather if he could divorce her and my grandfather said no so he they remained married and the turbulence still existed but they were married um until my grandfather passed away and Mm -hmm. then that was over and (laughs) Um, he extended their misery for like what, ten years? I don't know how many. I mean, I don't think it was actually that. I don't know how long it was. Right. I don't know, but um, but then also my my grandparents were married in an arranged marriage. Okay. So they were. Wow, I'm just going through all the family stuff, but they They're basically like that you they, don't need to love the person. Yeah, like, this is a practical arrangement. But just just be committed. Yeah. And and um, that's what you're supposed to do. And so that was. Um, that was their take on it. But now I don't, I don't really see that holding up. I mean, I don't, I don't even think anyone has arranged marriages anymore. I think some, my mom said that she had a a friend or two that were married in Mm. that way. But for the most part, that wasn't really, that really didn't hold up as much anymore. I mean, I guess if you think of it in like a really, really close society, almost like some tribal business uh-huh. or whatever, you know what I mean? Where it's like, of course, everything goes to the, to the yeah. top dog and then, you know, it kind of trickles down or whatever. Yeah. That makes sense mm-hmm. in a way. But then when you spread out and I mean, you know, you're way the hell over here. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Why would I call back to Korea to make a decision <laughs> right. all the way to Alabama? So, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it isn't, yeah, it would be. It isn't effective. It takes um, so long to get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> Should I get three ply or two ply? Yeah. Like, <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. Hold, yeah. <laughs> Gotta make a call. Um, it's nice getting to meet you. Yes. Good to meet you this too. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna leave you alone now. <laughs> it is Sunday, so. Well, I'm not spending it with the Lord, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And that's our show. But if you're craving a little more, follow us on Instagram at TBS underscore podcast. If you feel compelled to send an email, send it to somecollegeradio at gmail.com. The B-side can be found just about 
everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. But if you are listening on iTunes, review us because it helps and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Special thanks to my guest, Sani McKay. Shout out to my producer, Kalina Bowler. Music by Brian Wilson. This show was edited by some dude. And that guy is saying peace. Peace. Thank you.